I've wrestled with certain questions in recent history. How do you tell people that there is a great evil coming and it's something that appears to be so innocent? And how do you deal with it in such a way that you don't come across as a crazy man? And how do you deal with it when even churches are practicing it? These are the questions we've wrestled with in recent history. And I'm going to give you what I believe is the truth. This evil is coming, and I see it everywhere. And I'm praying that God would use this video to awaken you to righteousness and help you to realize that we are in the last times. Many are saying that this is coming, but I'm here to tell you that this is already here. So what is this video all about? What am I trying to say? If I could sum up this video in one statement, it would be that the Antichrist is coming and the stage has already been set for his appearance. All levels of society have been infiltrated by this dark religion. The stage has been beautifully set for him. The only thing left now is for him to just simply step out on the scene. In this video, I will explain to you how all of it will come to pass and has come to pass. And it's time that you realize that. Now, what I'm going to demonstrate to you is my theory of how I believe Satan is going to bring about his Antichrist in the last days. I want to show you a pyramid. And at the bottom, I want to put Satan. At the top, I want to put what I would call his third Adam, his Antichrist, his world leader. And Satan is not just going to come out directly and show you who he is and who his man is. Satan never has operated that way. And so I want to provide you layers of his attack and how he's going to bring about this Antichrist. The first layer will be Eastern religions, yoga and Hindu and Buddhism. The next layer will be the modern occult, and we will explain what that is. The next layer will be modern entertainment and its ties to Eastern religions and occultism. And then the next layer after that will be false Christianity. Satan will always work behind these layers. And we're going to take a few moments in this video to break down each one of these layers and directly connect it to Satan. Now let's begin this explanation with the most obvious layer, Satan himself. Many great military leaders of the past have always said that if you're going to win a war, you need to understand your enemy and understand his tactics. And I fear that the modern church today simply does not understand our enemy. We don't understand his tactics. We don't understand how he thinks. We don't understand what he's trying to do. And so many times... The church gets blindsided by our adversary. The two main tactics of Satan always have been and always will be imitation and infiltration of everything that God has and God does. Satan is always looking to imitate the Lord Jesus. The Bible says in Isaiah 14, verse 13 and 14, For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. 
I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Everything that God gives to man, Satan always imitates it. God gives his comforter to man. Satan gives his false spirit to man too. God gives salvation to man. Satan will give a salvation-like experience to man as well. God gives man a savior. Satan will send a savior in his time as well. Everything that God does, Satan will imitate. Another tactic of Satan is infiltration. Acts 20 verse 29 says this, For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Every time God does something, Satan tries to infiltrate it and tries to destroy it from the inside. Examples of that through the scripture are the Garden of Eden, where he met with Adam and Eve. The nation of Israel, Satan worked many times in that group of people. With the disciples, even, there was Judas Iscariot. And even in the New Testament church, Satan is always looking to infiltrate and try to destroy the church, not from without, but from within. This has always been his tactic, and it always will be. The difficulty in understanding this aspect of the deception is that you have to be a discerning Christian, which means that you have to know the Bible and you have to understand Satan's plan of imitation and infiltration. The average Christian today has been taught that the worst sin they could ever commit is not murder, it's not adultery, it's judging. Anytime a guy like me posts videos on YouTube saying something negative about a false teacher, it's almost like bombs over Berlin with judge knots coming from liberal evangelical people who could not tell you five verses in the Bible to save their life. To them, the worst thing you could ever do is say something negative about another Christian, another ministry, or anybody else alive for that matter. After all, Jesus never did say anything unkind or negative about anybody ever in his earthly ministry. And he certainly never did act angry or have any form of righteous indignation ever in his earthly ministry, did he? The problem with the judge-not mentality of modern Christianity is that it basically puts a blindfold around these people's mind. And so they walk around with these cheesy smiles on saying, judge not and just love everybody. And really, they sound more like Mahatma Gandhi than they do Jesus Christ. So if a person was actually looking for Satan on the planet today, the truth is you don't really have to go to the White House or to the jailhouse if you want to find him, you can most likely find him in something that looks like a church house. Now, don't get me wrong. Satan spends plenty of time 
in astrology and biology. But he does his greatest and most destructive work when he's hijacking the terminology of orthodoxy and creating a false theology. Okay, so Eastern religions is a very interesting study. There's so much to take in, and I think a lot of the Westerners of this world really don't study it because it, it just, there's just so much to process. So I'm going to try to break it down to you as simple as I possibly can and explain to you in this video what Eastern religions actually are. Basically, there's four big ones, okay? You've got, you've got Buddhism, you've got Hinduism, you've got Islam, and you've got Judaism, okay? So Buddhism, Hinduism, Islam, and Judaism. Now, my audience is largely going to be Christian people, so I will not explain to you what Judaism is, uh, but Judaism is basically, uh, they hold to the Old Testament law, first five books of the Bible, they call the Pentateuch. I want to go through and explain the Buddhism, Hinduism, and Islam to our audience here, explain to you what these people are. Now, uh, Buddhism is a uh, religion that basically believes that you can achieve enlightenment and you can do that through consciousness and through meditation. Uh, you can do yoga practices. Uh, the One of the big things right now is yoga. And as you can see there, there's the chakras on the screen and the chakras are basically energy points in your body that start in the base of your spine and go up through the top of your head. And you can actually release the universe's energy that you have, which is called a, a, a serpent spirit that they actually call that in the literature they call it a serpent spirit can be released from your pelvis all the way up through and you see the seven chakras there the root the sacral the solar plexus the heart throat third eye and the crown and uh, once the uh, once the spirit is released it's actually called the kundalini spirit is released from your spine all the way up into goes through your crown uh, then you have something called a kundalini awakening and then you have something manifestations called kriyas and where people you know they shake violently or or they have manifestations of euphoria and they just love everybody just it, it is a very uh very interesting religion is it's demonic is what it is and basically buddhism uh, from a Bible-believing Christian standpoint, we understand that Buddhism is a is a long progression. It is a progress of demon possession. When you're doing yoga practices, you're actually making your body like some sort of antenna, a spiritual antenna, where you're actually allowing the full possession of dark, satanic, serpent spirit called Kundalini to take over your body. Now, Hinduism is a very interesting religion, very complex religion, and uh, there are so many different, there are, literally there's hundreds of gods in Hinduism. Uh, but the main five are Shiva, Rama, Ganesha, Vishnu, and Krishna. And you can see them all right there. And uh, as you can tell, this this is not a simple religion. There's no way in a video that I can explain to you what these guys are. Uh, but basically they have, uh, it's, it's, it's multiple gods manifesting themselves in multiple different ways. And so therefore you have 
hundreds of deities, and these deities are actually called avatars, which is what uh, James Cameron, uh, when he made that movie Avatar, that's, that, that was the concept he got behind it. It's like, I'm possessing a body and I'm using it for my purpose, and, and that's, that's, where they, that's where they got that from, was, was from the Hindu concept of these gods taking certain forms, possessing certain bodies, and doing certain things, okay? So, and then also if you got Islam, and Islam is, I believe, the number two religion in the world, uh, literally billions of people hold to this religion. This is a picture of their holy site, the main holy site that they have called Mecca. And uh, the five pillars, if you will, uh, five main practices of Islam. You got to have your profession, which is your shahada. You got to pray five times a day, which is your salat. You got to give alms to the poor, which is zakat. You got to do fasting, which is solemn. And then also you got to have a pilgrimage to Mecca once in your life, which is your hajj. Four major religions. You got Buddhism, Hinduism, Islam, and then you have Judaism. Okay. So, but the thing is with all these religions, they're actually all looking for a leader. They're all looking for a grand leader. All of them have prophecies for that. I'm going to show you three Wikipedia articles here explaining this to you. Uh, the Buddhists are looking for something they call the Maitreya, which is the next Buddhist who, uh, according to Buddhist tradition here, Maitreya is a uh, Bodhisattva who will appear on earth in the future, achieving complete enlightenment and teach the pure Dharma. So they're looking for a world leader to come. And then also in the Islamic faith, they're actually looking for someone called the Mahdi, which, are the, which is called the Guided One, uh, who, according to some Islamic traditions, will appear and uh, rid the world of evil. And so they're looking for this Mahdi. There's a symbol right there. And then also the Hindu world is looking for a coming leader, and he's called the Kalki, uh, which will be the 10th avatar of the Hindu god Vishnu, and will end the Kali Yuga, which is the age that we live in now, and uh, will bring in another Yuga, which is a period where there will be no more sin. And so, uh, matter of fact, if you'll notice here uh, that the Hindu uh, Kal Kalki, the 10th avatar Vishnu, the coming leader, the coming world leader, is actually someone who rides a white horse. Does any of that sound familiar to Bible-believing Christians? Okay, so let me explain to you how Satanism and the occult works. It's really not that hard, uh, but I want to explain it to you here in this video. God gave the ultimatum to mankind in the Garden of Eden saying, you know, if you eat of that tree, thou shalt surely die. It's a 100% done deal. It is, it is an ultimatum. These are the consequences to the rules. Well, Satan comes along and he says total opposite. You shall not surely die. He, he gives them complete opposite of what God says. Well, you basically, you have two opposite ideas here. And there's no way to reconcile the two. It's either one or the other. And so what Satan does is he tempts Eve with hidden knowledge. And with freedom from those rules over there. There's a whole other world of knowledge out there that you can have opened up to you if you'll just disobey that. It's definitely not worship God, and it's not worship Satan, so the occult basically is summed up in this. Do as thou wilt. Do whatever you want. 
That 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 was Satan's plan for Eve, and that's what he said. Just just do what you want to do. And listen, Satan doesn't care if you worship him or whatever. He just is concerned that you're not obeying God and serving God. So really, just do what you want to do. And if you do what you want to do, ultimately you're doing what he wants you to do. In America, Satanism is... Uh sensationalized and kind of misunderstood and people associate it with worshiping the devil and things like that but it's really a philosophy about uh, individuality and self-preservation it's about uh, you know being your own god okay so the occult is very difficult to see because it takes on different names and it's gone through several different name changes through the years it has several different leaders and that kind of stuff uh, but the common ideas have basically been the same throughout the centuries. Now, one of the big names was Helena Blavatsky. She came along and was, I think, one of the better people at articulating what this actually is. And what she taught was is that you got you got the philosophy of the world, you got Christianity, you got Islam, you got Hinduism, you got Buddhism, you got Judaism, and that that truth is found in all of these religions, and not there's not one exclusively that's correct. They're they're all right, but the thing is is that there's it's like there's chunks in each of them that are that are correct, and so we're going to uh, just find those chunks. And what we're going to do is we're going to take all of these, these pieces that we find where truth exists and we're going to take all of that and merge that all together and we're going to call it this. And this was the name that she gave it. She called it Theosophy. which was a merger of theology and philosophy. This is what the occult is. It's the grand merger of truth and error of, of Christianity, Islam, Hinduism, Buddhism, Judaism with the, with the philosophies of the world. And they've been doing that forever, and that's what they're doing now. But by no means is that uh, you know, the only idea that I associate myself with because I incorporate a lot of different philosophies into what I'm about, including Christianity, you know. There's a lot of uh, valuable lessons to be learned from the Bible. I just feel that the way a lot of people uh, interpret it, particularly in uh, the USA, uh, is very hypocritical. And, and that's what I try and open people's mind to, that there is different ways of looking at things rather than what we've been told over the past several hundred years. The most famous occult symbol right now is that bumper sticker that you see quite often, but you probably don't realize what it is, but that is the occult. It's the merger of everything. Okay, so in the world of the theosophants, you know, you, you try to take bits and pieces of all religions and merge them together. Well, how do you, how do you discern all that? How do you navigate which to take, which not to take? 
Well, what they believed is that there were there was a higher power who could tell you all that and teach you how to decipher between the two, and these were called the Ascended Masters. Uh, these were, they said these were real entities who really existed. And so you have people here on planet Earth who need the knowledge that the Ascended Masters can give you, and there were many ways to get this knowledge, but the main way that they did that was something called an astral projection. And an astral projection is called an out-of-body experience by most people. Mainly, uh, what they do is through meditation or something like that, uh, these people actually, they believe that their soul can leave their body and they can travel across the universe and meet face-to-face -face with these ascended masters. and gain that knowledge, and after they gain that knowledge from these Ascended Masters, then they can come back down and have that knowledge and share that knowledge with mankind and other people. And, uh, and so they, they believed that they were enlightened. They had a higher level of knowledge than other people. Now, in many forms of the occult, the eschatology views that they had at the end times was that eventually these Ascended Masters would, would eventually come down and condescend back to earth and they would you know lead the world into a golden age or a golden era. Blavatsky actually taught that the human race was not ready for that and so we had to get more knowledge and bring more knowledge and bring more and more and more of this information that was stored up with the Ascended Masters. We had to bring more and more of that down through books and through projections and through all the things that we were doing and eventually there would be enough people on the planet that were enlightened enough to uh, please the Ascended Masters so that they, they would actually uh, be accepted and the world would, would accept these people and accept what they called, just like the, uh, the Buddhist people, they called the Maitreya, the one world leader. And that's what they were looking for. They would teach that there was people who had such divine knowledge imparted to them that they actually achieved another level of humanity, almost like a godlike status. And they believed that the first one was named Buddha. And they believed that the second one was actually named Jesus. And they do believe that there is another one that's coming, and they are still actually looking for this one because they don't know who he is, but they know he's going to show up pretty soon. You live in the entertainment era of humanity. We live in a time now where there are so many movies and live streaming services, video games. I mean, they're just, there's so much out there for you to consume in your life here on this planet. Uh, you could literally sit on the couch and never get up and spend your entirety of your existence uh, watching stuff and never really scratch the surface of everything that's out there. I mean, there's that much material. And 
the thing is that all of these movies that are coming out now, they're all the same. There is an intergalactic tyrant who is coming to Earth, and the only hope that we have is to stand behind this superhero man, this man with superpowers to oppose this tyrant coming from the sky. And, uh, you know, whether it be the Matrix or whether it be uh, the DC Comics or the Marvel Comics movies, and what is happening is that the prince of the power of the air, Satan, who controls the media, he controls the airwaves, he controls all of that, is uh, manipulating people and programming people for the tribulation period where they will stand in the Valley of Megiddo and oppose the uh, the coming of Christ and they will have their leader their general the Antichrist and they're gonna oppose that galactic tyrant coming down now I want you to notice that the, the, the past several years the most successful and prominent of these movies has been the Marvel comic movies with the Avengers the whole Thanos plotline that they had is basically the book of Revelation told from Satan's perspective. Thanos is this tyrant that's coming from outer space and he is going to take over the world. And so the world has to stand behind these superheroes, these people who have power. Uh, the Antichrist will have power. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, Revelation 13, um, they, they all have power to heal, to uh, make fire come down from heaven. These people will have super-like power, superhuman-like power superhero-like powers. The one thing I find significant, a hero steps forward to take on this tyrant, and that hero is a person with one of his eyes darkened. And so he, with the same exact eye missing that the Bible says the Antichrist will have missing, he opposes this tyrant, had the final battle, the battle of Armageddon, where this evil tyrant loses. I mean, people are being programmed to receive the mark of the beast. They're being programmed to stand behind a one world leader. They're being programmed to oppose Christ. All I'm saying is that there's some striking similarities there, and I believe that the modern media is being used by Satan to program people to receive a world leader with superpowers, and that's gonna be the Antichrist, and he'll be able to call fire down from heaven, he'll be able to heal, he will have God-like powers, and people are being programmed right now to accept that man. Now, in several of our previous videos, we've explained the landscape of American Christianity, world Christianity today. It basically is put into five categories. You've got your Catholics, your modernists, your neo-evangelicals, your fundamental Protestants, and your Baptist people. That's the landscape. Now, I believe in a rapture of the church at the beginning of a seven-year, literal seven-year tribulation period. And so when that happens, basically what the layout is going to look something like this. You're going to have uh, this crowd's going to be gone. Uh, a large chunk of this crowd's going to be gone. And, uh, and I would say a portion of this crowd's going to be gone. So at the end of that, you're going into a tribulation period with these three groups. And these groups are going to have to unite around something. They're going to realize that, you know, we're really not that different after all. And through ecumenicism, 
all of these groups are going to unite as one false end times church. And one of the groups that is pushing for this and become wildly popular recently has been something called the New Apostolic Reformation. The difficulty with the NAR is that a lot of people say that it doesn't even exist, and Michael Brown put out a big article attacking Wretched Radio and uh, the American Gospel movie talking about the NAR, and he said that it's not even real, it doesn't even exist. But it doesn't matter if it's an official organization or not. It doesn't have to be. Uh, it is a group of people that believe very similar things, and they are kind of in a category all their own. They fellowship together, they they work together, they do meetings together, and, and they largely believe the same thing. So it doesn't matter if it's an official group or not. It, it's, it, I mean, the, the category of people is still, it, it, you exist. So whatever, Peter Wagner gave you guys the name the New Apostolic Reformation, and that's just what we've gone with ever since. I mean, it's, it's Todd Bentley, Brian Welch is a new guy in that, uh, Bill Johnson, Joel Osteen is is in it, uh, Francie Chan is heading that way in a hurry, and uh, you got Paula White, Kanye's probably in that group too right now. Todd uh, White is a major player in that, Brian Houston, Benny Hinn, Michael Brown, all of this crowd, This is the these are the false teachers of Today, this is the form of godliness that uh, Timothy was told about in First and Second Timothy. Uh, this is the end times deception. This is the false church. This is the uh, this is the harlot church, and they're they're all yoking up with the Pope. And I mean, even Hillsong with Darlene Sheck years ago, uh, they were already heading up and yoking up with the Pope already. So this is the false harlot church. This is the end times deception. And this is what is going to be a vehicle that's going to bring about the Antichrist with their dominion theology and their seven mountain mandate. That's what they're going to do. They're promoting unity amongst all these denominations. And they're really, they're putting unity over doctrine. And then the music is going to be a major player because all of them have basically the same music. And the one thing that's going to unite them is going to be... Signs and wonders. It's never going to be a Bible-based religion. It's going to be an experience-based religion. And all of these people are experiencing the same thing, so therefore they're going to drop their denominational boundaries, they're going to drop their doctrinal differences, and unite around experiences. And they're doing that already. And then also they're going to usher in something called dominion theology. That is their eschatology. That is their end times belief system. Now, to understand the significance of dominion theology, you have to understand basic eschatology. Now, for example, here's, here's the two ideas. There's premillennialism, and we'll just put that there, and then there is amillennialism, and which is also basically very similar to dominion theology. Okay, we got these two right here. 
let's just say, let's just draw a chart and say, here's, here's the course of time, and this is the morality of the world. Okay, and let's just do it this way. Basically, the premillennialism teaches that through time, the world's morality is going to get worse and worse and worse and worse, and Jesus is going to come at the time where it gets really bad. That's, that's basically the premillennial view of end times. Now, amillennialism and dominion theology is like total opposite. These people think that over time that they are actually going to usher in a kingdom because the world's going to get better and better and better. And now these people also believe that the tribulation period is not literal, that it's not going to happen, uh, that all of that is done away with. It, it ended in 70 AD. And uh, so they believe that through time, the morality of the world's going to get better and better and better, and that Christ is just literally going to step out into the world and so they're looking for Jesus just to step out and rule and reign. And they're willing, uh, through infiltration of political events, the Seven Mountain Dominion Theology of the New, Ma New Apostolic Reformation, Uh, they are actually looking for a Christ, a, a world leader, to step out and to just literally rule and reign and bring in peace. And we believe that that's going to be the Antichrist. And they're not, they're not looking for a rapture. They're not looking for a tribulation period. They're actually looking for a leader. They're looking for a political entity that declares himself to be God in the flesh and they're wanting to give that man the keys to the entire world. That's what they're doing. That's what they say. That's what they want. Now that we have covered all of these groups and who they are, we've dealt with Satan, Eastern religions, the occult, entertainment, false churches, the NAR, and all these other groups, Here's the main point of this entire video, and this is where people are going to get offended. But all of these groups here, all of them, are the same thing with different labels. That's what they are. This and this and this and this and this are the same thing. They are the same poison with a different label on the bottle. But it's all the same. They are the same thing. Their author is the same. Their fruit is the same. The practices are the same. They are the same thing. That's what they are. And when these groups all come together and unite as one, they're going to usher in a world leader and they're going to declare him to be God and he's going to have signs and wonders and power and they're all going to worship him and they're all going to take that mark. In their forehead. Now you would say, how in the world can you make such a just outrageous claim, Brother Spencer? They're not all the same. They're not really, I mean, they, they have different labels and, and all that kind of stuff, so they're not even the same. Well, the truth is they are the same. 
And somebody's going to have to unite these two. And I want to show you how all these groups are going to come together and unite together. You see now you have the Hinduism, you have Buddhism, you have Islam, you have the entertainment crowd, a lot of unbelievers here. Then you got the Catholicism up here and they, they have a pretty broad spectrum there. The false churches of the Western world, the New Apostolic Reformation, your new evangelicalism uh, under the guise of ecumenicism, all these are going to congeal together. And then you got the occult crowd, which I say, you know, there's, there's so many people there, but like the Wiccas and the Neo-Pagans and that kind of stuff. Well, at some point, all of these people, the, there's these walls between them, and somebody has to break all these walls down. And really, the argument is going to be that we all worship the same God. We just do it in different ways, and we see God from a different angle. Now, one of the people who actually is promoting this is a man named Stephen Colbert, an American comedian and late-night TV show host. And he uses the illustration of all a bunch of blind men falling into a pit, and there's already an elephant in the pit, and they start rubbing the side of the elephant to see what it was they were against, and they all came to different conclusions. Watch this video. Four different blind men are stumbling along through the jungle and they fall into a pit where an elephant has already fallen. And they start touching it and one person thinks it's a wall and one thing thinks it's a tree and one thing thinks it's a snake, another one thinks it's spears. Isn't it just possible that you're missing the point and that Jesus is an elephant? An elephant so big that each of these four men could only see part of him. And so the argument is, is that God is like this elephant, and he's so big that not everybody can see all sides of God. And so here's the idea. This is who God is, and everybody just sees him from a different angle. I mean, even the occult crowd, you see a higher power, you see a force, you see all that. It's just that we, we, we see him from a different angle because God is so big, he can't be bound to one system of creed. He can't be one uh, bound by one doctrine. He can't even be bound by one book. He can't be bound by something as small as the Bible. I mean, God exists in the Hindu writings and in the, in the Buddhist writings, and even in the Quran, God exists as well. Why would we bind him to just one book like the Bible? So let's Let's just do this. Let's take down all the walls and let's just forget about our differences because we're all the same thing. We all worship God together. I mean, you know, we just we just do it a little bit differently. And God's bigger than my denomination, and God is bigger than my religious idea. And so everybody's gonna start saying that, you know, we all see God, the same God, just from a different angle, and they're all gonna unite together, and this will be your one world religion under a generic, unspecified God that is not bound by any doctrinal system whatsoever. That's your one world religion. That's what's going to happen. And it's happening, even now it's happening. Now, most people, when they watch a video like this, they would think, you know, there's no way that Christian people would ever yoke up with Hinduism or Buddhism or anything like that. There's no way that it would ever go that far. I mean, we understand that. Well, there's two things I want you to consider. Uh, number one, the rapture will have taken place when this all comes to pass. So uh, all your people who have the Holy Spirit living inside of them are already going to be gone. But number two, I want you to realize this concept is not new. I'm not inventing this. This I, I'm actually just relating to you what's already being said in the world now. And uh, 
unfortunately, the man who was the biggest name that was promoting the concept that I just shared with you on the whiteboard was Billy Graham. Billy Graham believed that there were people in other religions who were looking at the same God we were and were saved. They were just living in the light that, that they had at the time. And he believes they're going to heaven without the Bible or without even knowing, knowing the name of Jesus. That's what he taught and promoted. Let me just go straight to the horse's mouth, let you see what he said himself. Tell me, what do you think is the future of Christianity? Well, Christianity and being a true believer, you know, I think there's the, the, the body of Christ, which comes from all the Christian groups around the world, or outside the Christian groups. He said it comes from all the Christian groups in the world. Okay, so that's all your denominationalism. That's, that's basically communism. But then he says even outside of Christian groups. What, what he's saying there, there are people that are in these tribes overseas that they don't have a Bible or they just un understand that there's a God and they believe in that God. He believes that they're saved. That's exactly what I'm saying. That's, that, is, that is the merging of Hinduism, Buddhism, Islam, uh, and the occult with Christianity. That's the one world religion. This man's promoting that by his own words. I think everybody that, that loves Christ or knows Christ, whether they're conscious of it or not, they're members of the body of Christ. What? Loves Christ or knows Christ, whether they're conscious of it or not, are members of the body of Christ? That is the one world religion. I'm not I'm not the only guy saying this is what's going to happen. It's already being said. I don't think that we're going to see a great sweeping uh, revival that will turn the whole world to Christ at any time. I think James answered that, the Apostle James, in the first council in Jerusalem when he said that God's purpose for this age is to call out a people for his name. And that's what God is doing today. He's calling people for, out of the, the world for his name, whether they come from the Muslim world or the Buddhist world or the Christian world or the non-believing world. Uh, they are members of the body of Christ because they What? He's saying there's people in the occult, the unbelieving world, that are members of the body of Christ because... They're called by God. They're called by God. They may not even know the name of Jesus, but uh, they know in their heart that they need something that they don't have, and they turn to the only light that they have, and I think that they are saved and that they're going to be with us in heaven. That is universalism. That is a that this is like the this is the worst thing Billy Graham ever said in his life. These are words that will haunt him for eternity. But that's what I'm saying. This is this is the direction that everything's going. And the Wiccas and the Christians and the Hindus and the Buddhists and everybody's gonna merge together and they're looking for one man to teach them how to do this and to show them the way and he's coming. Uh, when I hear you saying that it's possible for Jesus Christ to come into a human heart and soul and life even if they've been born in darkness and have never had exposure to the Bible, is that a correct interpretation of what you're saying? Yes, it is, because I believe that. I've met people uh, in various parts of the world in tribal situations uh, that they had never seen a Bible or heard about a Bible and never heard of Jesus, but they believed in their heart that there was a God and that uh, and they tried to live a life uh, that was quite apart from the surrounding community in which they lived. 
This is fantastic. I'm so thrilled to hear you say that. There's a wideness in God's mercy. There is. There definitely is. And that is your one world religion. It's already out in front of you. You just didn't see it. Now, if you'll remember early in the video, we talked about how Satan always is imitating God and wants to be God. He wants to receive worship as God. And so everything that God does, Satan imitates and he often perverts it. And I want to give you just a very gross oversimplification of how the church came to be. And I want to apply this to Satan, okay? Let's look at this chart here. We First of all, you have Christ that came and he did his healings. He had power and he was the king. They tried to uh, have him be anointed as king. Well, the apostles were given that power, okay? In the book of Acts chapter number two, Pentecost came. They were given, they were given signs and wonders. They could do healings, things like that. Well, to these apostles, to Paul mainly, the mystery of the church was revealed. There's four mysteries here. The mystery of his will the mystery of the church, the mystery of the gospel, but also the mystery of the second coming, 1 Corinthians 15, 51. That mystery was revealed to the apostle Paul, and he shared it with us through inspiration of God by writing the scriptures. And so the church was came to be, in the first century, militant in their doctrine, and they were a Bible-based church. They practiced and believed the Bible, uh, and they were not experienced-based church. This was God's plan, and this is what happened, okay? Well, Satan has a plan too, and he will imitate and distort God's plan. He always has. Now, Satan's plan is God's plan flipped. All right, now notice this. Satan's plan is to take the church that is Bible-based and diminish that so that it's a church that's not militant in doctrine anymore, but they're tolerant of error. They want to just get along. Ecumenicism has done this, and, and Billy Graham and those have promoted this. Now we have a church that's tolerant of error and is getting away from being a Bible-based religion. Uh, we don't want to be bound by doctrine anymore and stuff like that. And so now, because of that, you've made yourself susceptible to the leadings of spirits, and mysteries are now being revealed revealed to these 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 false churches uh, a mystery of the false church in revelation 17 5 and that there's also a perversion of all of these things here the mystery of his will the mystery of the church the mystery of the gospel the mystery of the second coming and so a false church is rising and they're talking about a coming leader second thessalonians 2 7 the mystery of iniquity authority work and it's being revealed to this false church that exists today and now because this church is allowing this these experiences uh these supernatural experiences to override what the Bible actually says. A hierarchy of ecclesiastical hierarchy has risen and they're calling themselves apostles and they actually are practicing signs and lying wonders. 2 Thessalonians 2.9 uh, talks about these, these wonders are going to be given, these signs are going to be given and they are going to, through a perversion of the second coming of Jesus Christ with an amillennial seven mountain mandate dominion theology, they are actually looking to usher in a person who has healed who has power and who is a king, and that person is the Antichrist. You see, it's the same thing just flipped on its head. That's Satan's plan, and that is what they're doing right now. And by the way, if you go study the beast in Revelation chapter 13, that beast has the ability to heal, that beast has power, Revelation 13, 4, and that beast has all power, which means he's a world king, and he will rule and reign 
for just a short time, and he will be declared to be God by these people who accepted this mystery, this false church. Now, that may blow your mind, but that's what the plan has always been. Satan's trying to imitate God and trying to do God's plan opposite. Okay, so just in case you're not convinced that all of these things that I'm dealing with are basically the same thing with just a different label, let me prove to you once and for all that they are. The first reason is that they're all looking. All of these groups are all looking for the same world leader to come and deliver them. The false churches are looking for their false Christ. The entertainment world has been programmed to look for a superhero to come and to save them. The occult world is looking for their esoteric Maitreya, which is a term they borrow from Buddhist eschatology. In all the Eastern religions, the Islamic world is looking for their Mahdi. The Buddhist world is looking for the Maitreya. And the Hindu world is looking for the Kalki. All of these religions are looking for the world leader to come and step on the stage with power and spiritual anointing on them that is above the average, superhuman, if you will. They're all looking for the same man, and they'll all accept him as the world leader. The second reason is, is because their music. Okay, so I've been dealing with music for a long time on my channel. I love music, and I love good Christian music. I love the history behind good Christian music. And I've actually done a book called Calling Evil Good, The Live Christian Rock and Roll. And basically, when I got started into that, I was just thinking, you know, some of these churches, they're just pragmatic, and, and they want to try to use the music as a tool to reach people, to bring them to Jesus, and that, you know, in time, that was going to implode on itself. It was really going to harm the cause of Christ rather than help the cause of Christ. My position now is that the people that are using this stuff, maybe, yeah, they're the ones who are being the pragmatic ones, but the people who are producing this music don't know the Lord. I think that these people are so off base. I don't even know how you can call these people Christians and really say they're brothers in the Lord. And the song Oceans has always been a weird one to me because the words just never seem to make sense. I didn't really understand what they were trying to say, but then I thought, well, this is Hillsong. And, but let's just go ahead and show the lyrics to the song and let's just read them to you. You call me out upon the waters, the great unknown where feet may fail. And there I find you in the mystery and oceans deep, my faith will stand. There's some things I want to point out to you. It says, you call me out upon the waters, that part right there, the great unknown, and then in the third line, the mystery. And then let's go down to Revelation 17. Let's just read a few verses together. And there came out unto me one of the seven angels, which had seven vials, and talked with me, saying unto me, Come hither, and I'll show thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters. And upon her forehead was, was a name written, Mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots, and abominations of the earth. And verse 7 says this, The angel said unto me, Wherefore didst thou marvel? I will tell thee the mystery of the woman, the beast that carrieth her, which hath the seven heads and ten horns.
let's compare the lyrics of this song Oceans with Revelation 17, the great whore of Babylon, and let's just see if we can find anything that's similar. You call me out upon the waters, and in verse 1 of Revelation 17, there's great whore that sitteth upon many waters. That To me, that's just weird. Almost word for word, Hillsong is describing the whore of Revelation 17 and calling this worship. That's weird. And then also you got verse number five, and upon her forehead was a name written mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. You have a song about being called out on the waters. Come on out to the waters with me to this great unknown. I want you to come be with me on this great unknown. And I'll find you in this mystery. And you find in Revelation 17 that there is a whore of Babylon sitting upon many waters. And in her forehead is written mystery Babylon the great. And there's a song that Hillsong wrote called talking about, I want to find you in the great unknown in the mystery. And it's so similar to Revelation 17. It, it, it's really, it's scary. Also, you find in verse number 7 of Revelation 17, And the angel said unto me, Wherefore didst thou marvel? I will tell thee the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carrieth her, which hath the seven heads and ten horns. I want you to notice there also, There I find you in the mystery. I'm just going to tell you, you can believe whatever you want to believe. But that's off the chart scary. That there are people literally going around singing songs about the whore of Babylon, worshiping about the whore of Babylon, and they think they're worshiping a deity, and really it, it, is, a, it is a fallen entity that they are worshiping, throwing praise at. That ought to just make you think, whoa! Yeah, and let's just totally forget about the fact that they're just, you know, putting up a picture of Ishtar at their Christmas special, and it, all the all the emphasis is on Ishtar when they're not even talking about Jesus very much during the Christmas special, and that they're all they're all living like the devil. They're all covered in tattoos. They're all they're all got the heathen pagan marks all over their bodies, and they call themselves Christians. They say they're worshiping Jesus. Uh, could it be that these people aren't even saved, and that the spirit of this age, the spirit that worketh of the children of disobedience in Ephesians chapter two, that these people have been lost in religion? They're not lost in vice or whatever. They're lost in a false version of Christianity and the fruit that is being produced in their music and in their life and all this stuff is of the is of a different spirit. It's not, they don't have the same Jesus. They don't have the same gospel. They don't have the same fruit in their life. They, they, they're not even singing the same music about the same Savior. They're singing about somebody else. Could it be that hard to believe? Could that really be that hard to believe? I don't think so. The next reason that they're all the same is that they basically all have the same manifestations. Now, yoga teaches that at the base of everyone's spine is a dormant serpent energy. And through a process called yoga, this energy can be released. And once it goes through the top chakra in your head, you have something called a kundalini awakening. Now here's a list over here on the right of all of the chakras. And uh, when this kundalini awakening happens, your body experiences involuntary convulsing or, or jerking. 
and it's called a Kriya. Now watch this woman as she's having Kriyas uh, from her Kundalini experiences. And uh, all this energy has gone through the chakras. It's a long process, and that process is called yoga. Uh, that's what the point of yoga is. You're supposed to release that energy, and you have a strong euphoric feeling when you do so. But the problem is, is that there is no difference between this Eastern demonic religion and what is happening in these modern churches. On the left, you see a picture of Bethel Church in Redding, California. And on the right, you see a picture here of people having Kundalini awakenings in Hindu temples. And if you'll notice these videos, the behavior of both of these parties is identical. They're laying in the floor. The man there on the left is flopping around. Uh, but they're having the same experience because they are operating in the power of the same spirit. There is no difference in what's going on here. Another example of this is in this church here on the left, and then uh, you, you see the yoga class on the right. Both of these groups are having the same involuntary shakings, and uh, the manifestations of the Kundalini is uh, one of the manifestations is uncontrolled shakings, and both of these parties are having the same experience. Another thing here is Todd Bentley's mistress and now wife. Uh, he was actually uh, traveling and had a wife and kids and was cheating on his wife with this woman and then he married her and stayed right in the ministry, didn't even miss a beat. Uh, but this woman gets up and gives a testimony and her head starts to shake and it's identical to what this man on the right is doing in the Hindu temple. The same experience, the same fruition the same thing is happening in both of these people. It's the same spirit because they are the same religion. Now another thing here is laughter is often a part of the Kundalini experience. And you can see that the man on the right in the eastern temple is laughing and uncontrollably shaking. And the man on the left is in a Pentecostal North American church and he's basically doing the same thing. Uh, it's the same stuff. Now if you notice lastly here, uh, we'll go to the last slide, and violent shaking in your body is very common. Now this man here is a Eastern Buddhist guru, and he is storing up all this chi and energy in his body. He's putting that in the water bottle, and as she touches that water bottle, she's going to start to shake. And you notice here, this, this preacher has all this Holy Ghost power, so to say, in his body, and he touches this man and they both start doing the same thing watch this um, it's the same experience because it's the same spirit these people here this is not the Holy Ghost it's the same Kundalini satanic Holy Spirit that's working in both parties the next reason why I believe that they're all the same is that they all have the same means of revelation. They're all practicing the same stuff to find out what the truth is. And I got a hint for you. They're not using the Bible. They may be using terminology that's found in the Bible, but the actual means that they use to get truth and get what defines their religion it's all the same. Bible-believing Christianity has always been Bible-based. 
it always has been. And the Catholic Church has tried to exalt tradition over the Scriptures. And one of the reasons the Reformation happened is they said, you know, we want the Scriptures to supersede Catholic tradition. And that's what the big break was over. And there's, there's so many other things there. But Bible-believing Christianity largely has always been Bible-based. And we judge our experiences and our practices by what the Bible actually says. And we don't do it the other way. Well, the end times religion and charismatic Christianity, so-called Christianity, uh, what they do is they exalt experience over the scriptures. And they'll you can show them a verse in the Bible and they'll say, well, you know, I don't really, you know, that's good, but I know what I experienced. And so they're not willing to trash their experience for what the Bible says because they supersede, they allow the experience to supersede what the scripture says. I want to explain to you what an astral projection is. Um, an astral projection, this is just right from Wikipedia, it is an out-of-body experience and it basically is where your soul leaves your body and you can soar across the universe forever. And I want, to, I want you to see this uh, Wikipedia article because I want you to go look for it yourself and see what it is. Uh, but that's what these people do is that in the occult world, they have these experiences where they go up and they meet with ascended masters and they meet with higher entities and they get knowledge and revelation. Now, one of the best examples of that that I can show you is uh, is the movie Black Panther. Now, what you see here is that you know they're putting him into a trance. They're calling upon the ancestors. They're they're asking for these the ones who've gone before with all this wisdom to come and speak to T'Challa. And so they do a ritual with him, and they they give him a magic potion, a uh, a hallucinogen, if you will, and then they bury him. And this is uh, this is one of the best examples of this I can give. That's a modern cultural example. And then they bury him. And if you notice, he'll have an out-of-body experience, an astral projection, if you will. And this, this is an occult ritual. People have been doing this. Blavatsky did this forever. And Blavatsky taught that she was in contact with the Ascended Masters, is what she called them. She would go up and have an out-of-body experience and come down and bring that knowledge. That's what the occult world does. And so now he's on this higher plane. He's, he's on the other side of the universe. And he's meeting with the ones who have gone before him, the ascended the masters. Come. Happens to be his father. Be reunited with me. And so there they are, and he's about to get all this wisdom from these people and come back down to earth. And now he has this, this divine revelation. That's how the occult has always worked. And, and that may surprise you, but they were psychedelic drug users and all this kind of, they were having these out-of-body experiences and they were putting them into their movies and such like that. So that's what you're seeing. Now, I want to give another example here. Um, this is this actually is happening. A lot of church people don't realize this, but in the drug culture in America, there's something called DHT. And these people are, are taking high doses of drugs and going up and having these psychedelic experiences. They're meeting with these entities. And Alex Jones and Joe Rogan actually talk about this on Joe Rogan Podcast. And I want you to see this, okay? Uh, we'll, we'll show this here. And check this out. Super hardcore levels of drugs and going into meetings with these things and making intergalactic deals. And, that, and I'm, again, that's what the government believes and says they're doing. Now, Joe, uh, of course, you have to understand Alex Jones is 
borderline psychosis in his conspiracy. He self-admitted that. And so you kind of have to take what he's saying with a grain of salt. But the information he's giving here is very good information. When you say the government, that's a broad stroke. You're painting, a, you're, you're using a broad brush. Like, what do you mean by the Break government? Breakaway rogue intelligence agent. What you're saying is essentially that they're using psychedelic drugs to communicate with interdimensional beings. All right. What, what Joe Rogan just described there is the same thing that the Theosophists Blavatsky did, the same thing that was that was shown there in the Black Panther movie, and that, and Alex Jones is talking about that now on the Joe Rogan podcast. It's all the same thing. This practice has not gone away, and a lot of church people don't realize that, that the world, people in the world are doing this, and I want you to see this. Spirit guys. Okay. Everyone, everyone who's done a high dose of psychedelic drugs has had this experience. So everyone is listening to you right now who's done DMT or done five grams of psilocybin. They know that this is a, a you have some kind of communication with something else. These chemicals open up this doorway and this is the portal to the next dimension. Okay, so they're talking about portals going to the next dimension, opening your third eye. That's what the Eastern world calls this. And uh, and it is an out-of-body experience. It is a spiritual experience that these people are having, and they're using drugs to make this thing happen. People have been doing this forever. This is not new. And I'm sorry if you watch this video and you think, well, that's crazy. Well, this, I mean, I've known about this for a long time. People are doing this. Now, I want to go here to another segment where we have the most famous Pentecostal in the world, probably, Mr. Perry Stone. And I want you to know what Joe, Joe Rogan described, what you saw in the Black Panther, what Wikipedia talks about with the astral projections, what Madame Blavatsky did. Modern-day Christianity, false Christianity, these false churches are doing the exact same thing. They're doing the exact same thing with just a different label. Watch this video from Perry Stone's own, from his own broadcast. Head like this, and before I could see anybody, a hand reached through the right hand of a man. He's talking about an experience building a cabin, and somebody came and touched him, and turned out it was a it was a ghost of a man who had died named Al Collins. Reached through the the side of the cabin and touch me on the head. I thought it was an angel of the Lord. Mm -hmm. You actually, when that hand touched you, you collapsed and thought you had a heart attack and came out of your body. Yeah. Paul talked about in 2 Corinthians 12, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell God no, such a one was caught up into the third heaven. And so there, there are experiences where it's either a vision or it actually is happening. Mm -hmm. And you went out like being sucked out into the universe somewhere where you ended up where it was a beautiful yeah, sapphire, yeah, beautiful sapphire blue, and you yeah. described what happened there. You Okay, and so what happens is he says that this this ghost of Al Collins, whoever Al Collins is, came and touched me, and that I actually my my body, my soul came out of my body, and I went across the universe. And he goes on to explain later that uh, he went to a library where all these books of the of the deeds of Jesus, and he said I could read through the books, and I want to stay there for a long time. But he, he, what he's describing is an astral projection. This man is practicing the same thing that the occult practices. Now the difference between uh, Perry Stone cites that you know experience where Paul says whether in the body or out of the body I cannot tell called to the third heaven okay the Apostle Paul had that happen. I believe that happened at the stoning of uh, where he was stoned at Lystra in the book of Acts. I believe that's when that happened. I can't know for sure but I believe that's when that happened. But Paul said it was not lawful for me to tell you what I saw. It was not lawful. But when it's when it's God is in that 
you won't tell people what happened, but if it's not real, then you will do exactly what Fred Stone did here and tell you everything that happened. If the Apostle Paul will not tell you and says it's not lawful for me to tell you what I saw, who is this man to tell you what he saw? The, the reason is, is because they are practicing the same thing. This is an occult astral projection. An angel of light was the author of this, not the Holy Spirit of God. These men are practicing the same thing. Okay, now let me show you this. This is the uh, children's director at Bethel Church in Redding, California, and she's going to describe an astral projection that they're having with the children of that church. I want you to listen to this lady. I'm sure you're so cool. Okay, we, we take our kids to heaven. I mean, who doesn't? Okay? I don't. Sorry, I don't. I let my kids read the Bible. Go to heaven. And, and people that know how to do heaven things take them to heaven. And so we have a middle school that that was tour guides. Is that what they're going? Okay. They take our, our middle school kids to heaven. So we have this one. They're, they get crazy, you know? And so the kids all came rushing. This little bundle of kids came rushing up to Mr. Mayor and said, Mr. Mayor, we all went to heaven together. We saw the same thing. And he goes, stop. He said, I want you to go to that corner, you go to that corner, and you go to that corner. And I don't want you to talk to each other about what you saw. Just draw a picture of what you saw. Okay, you are not, I mean, even I, and, and I believe, okay? Um, show the first, can you show the first picture? <laughs> These middle school kids said, we saw, a, we saw a path of rocks and then a stream, and we saw a lamppost that had a jewel right on the top of it. And so when they drew these pictures, they brought this to Mr. Mayor. Now, show me, show, show us the second one. The children who did not talk to each other said, we saw rocks that were, were leading up, and we saw a lamppost with a jewel on the top. Now show them the third picture. All of these children are practicing astral projections, out-of-body experiences at Bethel Middle School. They're doing the same thing that Blavatsky did. They're doing the same thing that the occult does. They're doing the same thing that Alex Jones talks about with the DHT and the, and the drug culture of America is doing. They're doing the same thing, having the out-of-body experiences, going up into some higher plane, and God is not the author of that. They're all practicing the same thing with different labels. It's all the same poison. It just has different labels on it. And then let me give you this. They all have the same message. And guess what that message is? A message of unity. We're not that different after all. It's time for us to all set aside our differences and come together to their own destruction. So I think all religious tradition have the same potential because every major tradition, you see, the main message is message of love, compassion, forgiveness, tolerance, self-discipline, like that. Delle divisioni, delle lotte fra noi. No, tutti uniti, tutti uniti con le nostre differenze, ma uniti, uniti sempre. I've come to understand that diversity is divine. It's division that's diabolic. You see, we the church, of the living God should have the same goal, to work in unity with one another, to be under the same bond of peace. Division destroys our credibility. How are we going to get all these denominations to be one, to become one in a way that's visible? And I say, I have no clue.
however one may identify themselves as inclusionary or exclusionary or progressives or conservatives, centrists, however label one may carry, it's going to require all of us to work together. And people hate Oral Roberts, people hate Kenneth Hagin because they have no Holy Spirit, no relationship with Jesus. So they hate these people. We say this at our church all the time. In the body of Jesus Christ, we need less fingers and we need more thumbs. Because the church is more divided than any time in history. What does this book tell us clearly? That he does not want any divisions in his church. And he said, and I give them the glory, pragmatic reason, so that they may be one. It's the glory that glues us together, not the doctrines. It's the glory that glues us together, not the doctrines. It's the glory that glues us together, not the doctrines. I want to thank you guys for taking the time to watch this video. I know it wasn't a short video. What do you do with all this information? Uh, we're talking about the Antichrist coming. We're talking about these false churches are going to usher in a Christ and the Hindu and Eastern religions and all the occult world and all that stuff. What do you do with all that? Well, here's the thing. I want to give you three things to think about as we conclude this video. The first thing I want you to consider, am I truly saved? Am I really a Christian? Paul warned and he said there'll be, a, there'll be another group that'll come up, grievous wolves that shall enter in, Acts 20. And in Galatians 1, he talks about those who preach another gospel. Uh, there's another Jesus, another gospel, there's another spirit that's out there. The Bible warned us about these things. It says, in the last days many shall give heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. And we know that as the time of the end draws near that Satan kind of ups his game and he steps up his agenda. But I want to ask you the question, are you truly born again? Are you really a Christian? See, Paul asked the church of Corinth in the last chapter of 2 Corinthians. Verse number 5 of 2 Corinthians 13 says, Examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ be in you, except ye be reprobates. And so he's saying there to these people, he said, you know, you need to really examine yourself and see if you're truly born again. Do you desire holiness? Do you desire uh, the Word of God? Do you hunger for the Word of God? You know, the problem today is that there's so many people that say that they've received Jesus as their Savior. The problem is there's more than one Jesus. So does the Jesus that you believe in, has He made a change in your life? Do you crave holiness? Do you desire to be away from sin? When you get into sin, does the Bible correct you? Does the Holy Spirit chastise you? See, the problem today is I believe that there's two gospels being preached. There's the gospel of you're an empty man and Jesus can fulfill you and be your best friend and make all your dreams come true. And then there's another gospel, the Bible gospel, which is you're a sinner and you deserve a, to go to a place called hell and you've offended a holy God. And if you die in your sin, unjustified, unsaved, then you're going to die and go to hell. And God the Father sent His only begotten Son, Jesus, to die on the cross for you and was buried and rose again the third day. And if you receive Christ as your Savior, you can have the 
forgiveness of sin, the justification, the righteousness of Christ imputed to your account, and you can be born again. John chapter 1 verse 12 says, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. And when that happens, you become a new creature. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. But the problem is, is that there's two different gospels, like I said. The first gospel produces worldliness. It produces anything but a holy life. Uh, you and I both know that there's people who claim to be Christians that they they drink and they smoke and they 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 are basically a slave to every vice that the world is. They live like the world, they dress like the world, they act like the world, and then they look you right in the face and say that they love Jesus just like you do. There's a problem there, and the problem is is that there's a lot of people out there who are pretending they have that form of godliness, but they've never truly been born again. Not only do you need to make sure that you know that you are truly saved and you are truly converted to Christ and you are not lost in a false brand of Christianity, but number two, you need to make sure that you are established in the Word of God and established in your faith. Uh, the Bible says in the book of Colossians chapter number two and verse number six, as you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. You know, you see a number of plants behind me. These smaller plants over here, those the, re the roots of those don't go very deep. And I can actually grab those and pull them up by the roots. But you see also this big old tree right next to me. The roots of that thing are very strong and they go very deep. And it doesn't matter how hard I pull on that or even how hard the wind blows across this area here in Nairobi, there is no way that tree's being uprooted. But the same thing happens to people who are not established in the faith, who don't really know what they believe. They become susceptible to heresy, susceptible to deception. It says in Ephesians 4.14 that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him all things which is the head, even Christ. And so it says that there's people out there that are lying and wait to deceive you they want to deceive you they desire to deceive you and they have cunning craftiness meaning that they're well thought out well articulated people who who are very good at what they do I mean I, I tell you the the people that we're dealing with the New Apostolic Reformation the occult and all these Eastern religions these are not stupid people these people know what they're doing they're very good at it and that means that you need to be on guard and you need to make sure that you know what this book says so you can guard yourself against deception. Let me say also in 2 Timothy chapter number 4, in verse number 2, the Bible says here, Paul speaking to Timothy, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. It says that these people will heap to themselves teachers and they'll have itching ears. They don't want their heart squeezed or changed or challenged. They just want the ears tickled. They want to hear something good. They want to hear something smooth. Matter of fact, even in the book of Isaiah, it talked about the apostasy of the nation of Israel. 
And in Isaiah chapter number 30, verse number 9, that this is a rebellious people, lying children, children that will not hear the law of the Lord, which say to the seers, see not, to the prophets, prophesy not unto us right things, speak unto us smooth things, prophesy deceits, get you out of the way, turn aside out of the path, cause the Holy One of Israel to cease from before us. Science of mind, in, in this teaching, we don't tell people what to think. How in the world would we ever want to tell a bunch of rebellious people like you uh, what in the world to think? I love that about you, by the way. You're free thinkers. You're self-reliant. That's what they're doing. These people, they want religion, but they don't want God. They want religiosity, but they don't want Christ. They don't want holiness. And really, to reject holiness is to reject Christ. And so, there are many deceptions in these end times. People are lying in wait to deceive, and you need to be established, rooted in your faith. Let me tell you, if you're not in a good Bible-believing local church that preaches and teaches the Bible every week to you, you need to contact me. I can help you with that, get you in a good church. The winds are blowing, and it is time that you get your family rooted and your children rooted in the truth and teach them the Word of God and so that they can combat against all these deceptions that are out there. Paul told Timothy, Take heed to thyself and to the doctrine. For in doing so thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. Paul was emphasizing doctrine, and we should do the same. The third thing that I want you to know is that not only do you need to examine yourself if you're saved, not only, number two, you need to get established in your faith and strengthened and rooted in your faith, but number three, it's time that you get serving. Jesus said in John chapter 9, in verse number 4, he said, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. Now, I believe that there's a coming Antichrist. I believe that he is probably on the earth right now. And there's no doubt in my mind that this stuff is coming to pass, not because I believe so, but because this word tells me that he's coming. And I really do think that this stuff is a lot closer than we realize. And I believe it can happen a lot quicker than we think. And so Jesus said, the night cometh when no man can work. And there is a spiritual darkness going across the world right now. I travel the world. I see it all the time. I see so many just sick things happening in this world. A lot of the things on my channel are just the tip of the iceberg of some of the stuff that's happening. It's, it's all happening so fast. Jesus is coming. But there's also an Antichrist coming too. And we have got to be aware of this. We have got to be on guard. We have got to be doing something while there is time. So the question is, I've given you the information here today. I've shown you the errors of Eastern religion, the errors of the false charismatic Christianity, the occult and all that kind of stuff that's going on. I've shown you all that stuff not to just entertain you. I, I, I'm not an entertainer. I'm a preacher. I don't want to entertain you. And I'm not here just so you can spend an evening watching a video and looking at me. You know, I mean, I'm not here for that. I'm here to challenge you and to confront you with the truth of the Word of God that this isn't a game. This is not a game. People are dying and going to hell without Christ. And my job as a preacher is to point you to this book so that you'll look up and you'll realize that my priorities are all wrong. There is a night that's coming. There's an antichrist that's coming. And the Christ is coming again for his people. But we got to work the works of him that sent us while it's still day. For that night cometh. And after that, there's no more to do. I'm still not an old man. 
but I do feel in my soul, I just, I just, in the back of my mind, it's always there. There's an end coming. My life will be over someday and I'm not gonna be around forever. The older men that I work with tell me, said, better enjoy it, it goes by quick. They talk about my kids, they say, better enjoy it, it goes by quick. If they talk about my health, they say, better enjoy it, it goes by quick. And I don't wanna waste it. Just one life will soon be passed. All that was done for Christ will last. And when I die, how glad I shall be that the lamp of my life will burn out for thee. Ladies and gentlemen, take the truths of the Word of God and the truths found in this video and use them to reach somebody with the gospel. I want to wake up the church. I want to wake up God's people to let you know that the job of winning souls, God didn't change his mind about that. And it's time that we get back to that. Spend your time, your talent, and even your treasures in the work of God. And we love you guys so much. We pray for you. And we've prayed over this video and asked God to show himself mighty in it and reveal truth. Let the scales fall from people's eyes, oh God. Let them see the truth. Shine the light of the truth on them. And give me discernment as I try to share the truth. And so... We want to ask you, consider these things. Are you really saved? Are you really saved? Are you just playing a religious game? Number two, are you established in your faith? Do you know what you believe? Do you know why certain doctrines are heretical? Do you know why uh, certain doctrines are good and biblical? Do you know that kind of stuff? Are you in a good Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church? And then number three, do you realize how short the time is? You need to be saved, you need to be established, and you need to be serving. You need to do something for God. Find something to do and do it now while there's still time. And we want to ask our friends who watch this video, we want to ask you if you'd help us by sharing this video. Send it to friends, text it, post it on Facebook, Twitter, whatever, whatever you can. Email it to people, whatever you can. We want to get the word out. And we want you to help us pray. Pray that God would use us here in this ministry. We've got some big plans in the future, and we want to see God... Uh, do some great things and we want to follow his will and his direction so pray for us pray for our ministry pray that God would use it and also we want to ask you to pray about our channel and pray that God would allow us to have a worldwide impact with these videos pray about supporting us pray about uh, donating to this ministry here and just pray just just pray just pray for us pray however you feel led pray and ask God to do a mighty work here we love you guys but I want to warn you, all of this stuff that, I, that I've given you, it's going to come to pass so quickly, and it's over. And so let's get to work. This is not the time to be taking a break on the work of God. Thank you guys very much. We love you.